Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And happy Thanksgiving, almost. Happy we're Thanksgiving, the, Dad. <laughs> we're here for the Invested Podcast, and we're podcasting Thanksgiving this time, which is actually not a very good description of the podcast, is it? So this podcast... <laughs> what do we do is, on our podcast? This podcast is about investing, and what we're going to talk about is investing the way Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger do it, um, and me, and Danielle now. And I invest a, a little bit you. now. Yeah, pretty I've good. I've been brainwashed by the Invested podcast. She's in the cult. Charlie Munger calls this an <laughs> investing cult. And does I think he really? A little bit right. Yeah, he does. I well, get he it. Did. It's like it's like what it's like um, being really into anything. Really, it's like once you once you get in, it takes over your life, and you're like, oh, how do other people do anything else? Because this is just like a fun part of life. And what are they doing? And then. You realize that that's how you used to be. Yeah, yeah. I'm in a cult. So, but, you know, today we're talking about Thanksgiving because it's almost Thanksgiving. And it, we're my so view, original. <laughs> yeah, we are. But it's a bright time of year for this. It yeah. is. We got to, we got to, we got to step back a second. And we're actually not stepping back from investing because I think what we're going to be talking about today, Thanksgiving, is an intimate part of success and successful investing. And I think it's all wrapped up together. And I, I really hope that, you know, we've kind of projected that across the podcast. We've talked about Wahe Takeda, who really um, taught me a, a technique of gratitude, right? We've talked about that. Yeah, will you tell podcast. us a little bit about that again? Because I think that's oh, sure. such a good reminder. If you haven't come across us, this is a, a uh, in, re, in respect of Wahe's Technique. Who is um, Wahe Takeda? Wahe is sorry. <laughs> Wahe is considered the. He's a billionaire in Japan, or he was. He died a year ago, um, at eighty-five years old. He is considered the Warren Buffett of Japan. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. He's a tremendous investor, and it turned out a few years ago that he's a little bit of a fan of mine in the sense that he wrote, read my book, and wanted to meet me if I ever came over. And so I went over to meet with him and spent uh, some incredible time learning from him about how he approaches investing, which is very, very similar to everything we're teaching you guys. So Wahe is a billionaire. Uh, he's often known as the Warren Buffett of Japan. And um, I got to spend time with him. And, and here's the thing that he wanted me to know about what was basic to his success. And that is that he did a technique of being grateful about something 1,000 times a day. He called it oh, Maro. That's right. 1,000 times. 1, I remember this now because I times. was flummoxed by the idea. Yeah, so I'm going to time Doing anything 1,000 times a day. All right, I'm going to my clock. I'm now timing this. Here's a stopwatch. Start. I'm so thankful for my daughter. I'm so thankful for all the, the wonderful hotel room I'm in that has, I'm thankful it has no real smells that are bad at all. I'm thankful oh, that there one. are uh, wonderful sinks and a really good shower this morning and um, razor blades were sharp in my razor. I didn't cut myself shaving. shaving. Um, I'm thinking I really appreciate the opportunity to use this incredible computer. Um, I am so grateful Technology. for my wife. I'm so grateful for the health of my children that were healthy. I'm so grateful it's a beautiful day. Um, I'm grateful I'm Weather. here in Louisville. Okay, stop. Location. That's 40 seconds and I got off 12 of them. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I think you hit the high points. I really enjoyed the plumbing one in particular. 
Okay, so that I think we're down. not all grateful enough for plumbing. When I think about the things <laughs> in our lives that make true differences that we don't even notice, let me tell you, indoor plumbing, number one, air conditioning, number two, which allows us to have skyscrapers, the elevator, which allows us to have skyscrapers, and finally, prosaic modern medicine, such as ibuprofen and penicillin and all those little particular problems that we all have that we don't like to mention that modern medicine just handles with no problems and people used to die horrible deaths from. That's what I always think of. Man, no kidding. And how about like Novocaine? Oh my God. That's what I mean. Anesthesia. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like, okay, so... Just to put a just to put a point on this, I was averaging a, a grateful every three seconds, and if we do a thousand in a day at, at that incredibly fast pace, that would boil down to three hundred and thirty three sec no uh, three thousand seconds divided by sixty is fifty minutes of attention over the course of a day to a stream of gratefulness. So it would be like an hour-long meditation on gratefulness, basically. Or you can break it up. Yeah. I mean, if you could handle 50 straight minutes of that, you'd have to have an incredibly inventive imagination. Or you would have done it so much, you would have all kinds of things you already could know you would be about to be grateful for. Um, But to just make them up, I was running out after 12, and I was going to have to pause and think. And that would slow it all down. But I think... Undoubtedly, what he's saying is think of it from an over-the-top perspective so that you'll do it a lot, right? right? right. Like the guy's a business guy. He's spending his time doing other stuff besides sitting around thinking about his thankfulness. But hopefully if you have it in your mind as an intention, intention is everything because it makes that little thought bubble pop up in your mind every hour, every five minutes, every morning, every evening, like whatever it is for you. And, and you think about it for a while, it just brings that little bit of, of presence into your life, that little bit of noticing, which I think is beautiful. And if you do it a thousand times a day, it'll be more than a little bit. It's going to be a major, <laughs> humongous. And, uh, but it, I, I'm, I'm really doing the math here because I, I, I really want to understand how intently Wahe was onto this program. And I think he was on it pretty intently. It was like a serious So you thing. don't you don't think it was me like I just said he was basically being hyperbolic. You don't think he was being hyperbolic. No. I think he meant a thousand times a day and I think he did it religiously. And I think he attributed that to his his success was attributed to that practice. And so and because I've talked to a lot of people about gratitude since Wahe and I met and um, you know, everybody has a practice of gratitude. It seems like you just bring it up and everybody goes, oh, yeah, I do that. Um, but it's always pretty <laughs> lightweight. It's always lightweight. It's always not intrusive. So, for example, one hmm. one uh, one guy I was talking to goes, yeah, I get up in the morning and I write three things I'm grateful for before I even start my day. Right. And I almost feel like because I've asked so many people about it, it's like when I was a little kid, when I was about seven, my mom took me to uh, the Wonder Bread factory in Portland, Oregon. Now, we didn't grow up with much money, okay? So this was a pretty amazing thing. Walked in where they make Wonder Bread. 
Well, they also make everything else under the planet, right? They got every kind of pastry and terrible thing for you that you could possibly imagine. In addition, but why why was this so amazing related to not having a lot of money? Do you have to pay to go to the Wonder Bread Factory? I think you might. No, I think it was like a school tour or something like that. But she accompanied us, you know, huh. like the parents do. You just hadn't done a lot of cool stuff, like go to a factory. No, and and so well, here's where the no money thing comes in: is that is that they asked. I don't know, somehow I was chosen to come and pick out my breakfast of all these things, right? And, wow. and so what I did is I picked out my imaginary breakfast, which was one of everything they made. And I ended up with this huge plate of stuff that I knew was sort of ridiculous, but it just seemed like, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, I eat that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I eat that. Take a bite Twinkie, of everything. And there's that toast and the French toast and the and the hamburger buns and everything was piled on my plate. And you know, it was a little bit over the top, maybe. But I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking that's kind of what happens when people say, Yeah, I'm grateful. You know, it's like, yeah, I would just pile that on my plate. That's what I do too. I do that too. Along with all of the other things I do during the day that I know I'm supposed to do. Like I work out, I eat right, I and I'm grateful. And I'm, you know, I'm a, and I'm a good person. Really? Do so you feel like you are constantly in connection with people who do all those things every day? No, I think I'm constantly and in connection with people who say they do all those things every day. Like I said, I ate that breakfast. Because I know I don't do all those no, things every day. I think it's a wish list. I think it's an intention at best for many people to do all those wonderful things. And almost because it's an intention, they don't do any of them. Like, and I'm not speaking just they, I'm speaking me here, that I have the intention to work out. And, you know, right. there it is. Then my little workout log down there says March, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that cracks me up because he is talking about a literal paper log that's in his gym. <laughs> That I opened up once and it literally said like two years before that he had been in there. I have, but I'm a good person. And I just know it was some motivational book that you read that was like, get some paper, write down every day you're in the gym. You'll never miss a day again. And you were like, yeah, yes. I'm never going to miss a day again. again. And then you spent like four hours driving to Staples and picking out the perfect log yes. and bringing it back and putting it. And then you used it like three times, which is what we all do. That's what we do. That's what we yep. do. It's our bumper sticker life right there. So, okay, yeah. I'm a good person because I but intend you know to what? work out. It's because we all want to do better. We all desperately want to do better. And the promise of a system that will get us there is so inviting that we take the invitation and there's some, that's, that's a really good quality that we all have. Yes. Like that, that is excellent. We are trying to better ourselves. You are, I am, everybody listening to this, we all are, and we're all trying to find out how, and you know what, until you try something, sometimes you don't know. So when you got excited about your awesome gym log, like that's awesome. It didn't work out, but you know, at least you tried. Oh, but that's such a, you know, that, the old saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions is that is a yeah. saying because of exactly that. Hey, I tried. I'm a good person, right? I had the intention to be. Well, it doesn't make you a bad person. Oh, it makes you 
not in shape. But wait, we apply but... that. We may apply that rather loose view of my goodness to many things. We might say, you know, um, I have every intention of being a really honest person. I have every intention of having integrity. I have every intention of being no, but these are categorically faithful. different things, like intending to hope that your log encourages you to work out and intending to do important things that you say you will do. Like those are very different categories. I would say, I would say it's like this. If you have a goal and everybody, you know, pitches the idea of having goals, you have a goal. Let me tell you how weak a goal is. If let's say it's my goal to come to Zurich um, on mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving, let's say it's my goal to come to Thanksgiving dinner with you and noons in Zurich. That's my goal. Do you think I'm going to be there? Are you quite sure I'm going to be there? No, you're definitely not going to be there. <laughs> if I say that, I'm definitely <laughs> not going to be there. It's my goal to meet you for dinner at 630. It's my goal. You know I'm not coming. You know I'm not going to be what there. What a nice sentiment. It's a nice sentiment. See you in a month. So goals, goals have a way of letting us off the hook. It's, it's they, The word goal allows us to say, well, I have this intention, so you know I love you, and you know I'd like to be there, just not enough to actually go. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whereas if I said, honey, mm-hmm. I promise I'll be there for Thanksgiving, then I'll be there. That's a totally categorically different thing. And so I don't know. I mean, I, we have these intentions and we make ourselves feel better with them, but they don't change our lives. And I think this is where we separate a practice, which you have talked about so much on this podcast, which I am now embracing, the idea of a practice, that when you, when you, when you decide you're going to have a practice about something, I think it moves it up at least a notch toward a full promise that you're going to do it for some reason. And so when I when I decide, all right, it's going to be my practice to work out in the gym, it takes a little different quality to it. And if it's my practice to be grateful a thousand times a day, then I'm going to damn well be grateful a thousand times a day. That's my practice. I mean, what kind of person am I if I'm not practicing my practice? So saying a practice takes us closer to the idea that it's a promise without putting us into that straitjacket that a promise puts us into, which is you will do it every single day. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, well, yeah, and I think, I mean, you've made a a good distinction between something you want to do versus something you've 100% committed to. Now, I would add a third distinction, which in the commitment zone, which is commitments to yourself, which have virtually no consequences (laughs) except to yourself, if you forget about them, right? And commitments to other people who that would have dire consequences if you didn't uh-huh. do that. So I think there's a lot of people promise themselves that they will do things. Often in our society around working out and diet, um, especially in the new year coming up and especially around the holidays, which this is a really tough time, frankly, with dieting and alcohol and working out and time and family and commitments and stress. And, um, and we, we, uh, I do it. I promise myself stuff. And then I totally like bargain with myself the next week and decide that that promise really didn't have all the facts included and I should break it. So I'm making, I'm making a distinction between your two things. And I think when it comes to 
an investing practice, having that feeling for me anyway, having that feeling of I've put my name on the line. Like I do this practice. It's a daily thing for me or it's a weekly thing for me. And I've put that out there into the world. Like, who does that make me if I don't live up to that? It's different than a promise to myself. I don't know. Do you get that at all? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm thinking that there's a middle ground there that this kind of falls into. And I think it's a good middle ground because we can only, we can only, we should only promise what we're going to absolutely do, right? So you have to be pretty careful with that or you'll start to be looking in the mirror at a person that does not have integrity. I mean, that's not where you want to go here. We want to, we want to have integrity. And by the way, investing is one of the most integrating things I think you could ever do in that it requires that you're very, very honest with yourself about what you know and what you don't know. I mean, you can't play games with that. Yeah, I think that's a really good know? point. I like that word, integrating. It is. It feels integrating. And so when, when we start to think about something like, you know, the intention of being grateful and moving it kind of to the next level, a practice of being grateful is substantially more than a goal of it, you know, I think. And so it's a big step toward, I promise I'm going to be grateful a thousand times a day. Now, there's where Wahe was, right? And... Um, and I think that's be a worthy goal. I think you'd be meditating on some wonderful things, but it's not going to be for everybody. Other people would say, okay, my, my practice is going to be um, running three miles a day, which will be my meditation and my opportunity to think about things I'm grateful in. But however you do it, I'm, I'm since it's, it is the season to be thankful and we're going to share a meal and, you know, in the, in the American culture to uh, have this Thanksgiving meal which was originally designed to be so thankful to God that these people survived, right? That they survived and to the people that helped them survive. And, um, and now I think it's broader than that. We're not obviously on a survival level where for most of us, some people are, but most of us are not. And so we're, we're opening up the boundaries of what thankfulness is all about. It's, it's about to a certain degree, it's about a practice of being grateful that can actually, you know, cultivating a life of gratefulness is actually a, this practice that they found out can strengthen your immune system and improve sleep and reduce stress and reduce depression. Um, but in order to get the benefit of that, you have to actually express it. You have to actually say it out or you have to actually act it out uh, to a certain degree. So it's more than just at least than what they found so far. Maybe Wahe's thousand times a day will do it all by itself. But otherwise, if you're just going to be grateful for three things in the morning when you wake up, then you better go out and express that in some way in your life, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really stuck on this thought between practice and promise, and I wonder if it's if the distinction or if the uh, the inclination towards one or the other just depends on our personalities. Maybe there's some people who are practice people and some people who are promise people who really respond to having that commitment to having that stamp of X thing. And then there are some people who respond to a more regular sort of lower key, uh, another commitment for lack of a better word. What do you think? 
I think I'm more of a practice person and you're more of a promise person. Well, I think there's got to be some to that in the sense of what, you know, what gets you moving in the direction that you're dreaming you want to go, right? Um, but I think that all of us have to recognize that promise is a whole, is a level that we have to achieve in, in things in our life. We have, even if we're a practice person, we have to be able to commit and make a promise and follow through on it. Right. We can't just say to our our spouse, you know, it's my practice that, you know, I'm going to be a good I'm going to be a good marriage partner for you. You know, I'm, it'll be my practice to be faithful. You know, I might slip off. I might right. slip off once but, in a while. And yet. But, it, you know, know that I'm a good person because it's my practice to be faithful, even if I'm not sometimes. Yeah, but we're not talking about a choice in life. We're talking about learning. Okay. Something. But I, I'm just pointing out how significant the difference is. It still remains very, very significant. And I'm thinking if you're just looking at learning something, Hey, I'm going to learn Spanish. I'm going to learn to invest, whatever that's, you know, okay. Practice is better than a goal, but it's not better than a promise. A promise just nails your feet to the floor. You have to go do it. You have to, you, you don't have a choice. Now you have made this, commitment and you are either a person of integrity or you are not well and i think a lot of us find to our chagrin that when it comes to things that are less important than other choices in life we are not uh, a person of integrity we will uh, break that yeah. promise and that's reality yeah. you know you say to yourself i'm going to whatever learn to invest i'm going to make X money, whatever, whatever your thing is, then your kid gets sick. Yeah. You're going to stop doing your investing practice and you're going to make sure your kid gets better. Like, you know, things happen. I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, you know, there, there are definitely people who make things happen in the world for whom when their kid gets sick, you know, they don't necessarily, yeah, they keep going. They keep going. They keep going. And I mean, yeah, and you may, there are. I mean, it's sometimes you have to pray that you find those people because they're going to show up and go to war and be on a wall between you and horrible things happening to you from an enemy. And if those guys don't go because their kid is sick, then you die. Right. Okay. Well, again, now you've, <laughs> you've equated learning, investing to fighting off the enemy. And I would, again, argue that those are different levels. But, but they don't have to be. No? Now, I'm not trying. So I feel like somehow I got, I got pushed into arguing that investing is not important. And that is in no way what I think or what I'm saying. I think that setting yourself up on a very high level of commitment can set you up for a fall. And that's how well, I experience Well, it can set you up for a fall, I think, if, you're, if you like, are not willing to go through the pain that that commitment necessitates, right? I mean, because you yeah. have, now you have a choice, a lot That's of pain right. in your yeah. life, or you're going to be not living up to your promise to yourself or to the people that you love, right? Absolutely. Or you have two mm -hmm. com competing commitments. And you have to choose. Welcome to the to real choose. life. I mean, one of my favorite, real favorite world. books exactly. is... Is, have we talked about the Bhagavad Gita here on this podcast? 
I don't know if we've ever actually dropped that name out there. Okay. Oh my God, it must be Thanksgiving because now we're talking about weird okay, town weird, family stuff. But don't take that badly Get ready. the Bhagavad Gita is in your religion, what she just said there, very insensitively. <laughs> oh yeah, right. It's super insensitive. So we are not Speak Hindu, for let me just say that. We are we are white people from the Midwest. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> And so I, it's a little I think weird. I think I've blended a, a, a certain degree of Hinduism into my Christianity here a little bit. So I, I got to say, that's well, great. that's great. But my point is, I think it's okay. But I would to say, say the, that we're uh, just weird. on this thing. I'm not saying the Bhagavad Gita yeah. is weird. The Bhagavad Gita is okay. Amazing. We're weird because we, we know about weird. it, maybe. But the Bhagavad Gita is amazing, and it is a, a part of um, this, this sort of quasi-religious, quasi-philosophical, quasi-life is all about this kind of thing, story called the Mahabharata, which is sort of a, a fundamental text in Hinduism, I, if I could call it that. Probably going to be wrong. So my Hindu friends, go ahead, tell me if I goofed it up there. But basically, the Bhagavad Gita is a story about a warrior who was raised by this incredible family after his parents died, or after his father died, and... Um, who finds himself pitted as a warrior, as a as the upholder of of good in the world, so police, army, something like that, pitted against his entire adopted family, all of his cousins, all everybody's over there except him and his brothers over there to fight him because they've all aligned with this evil dude, and so. Arjuna is this guy's name. So he gets Krishna in his chariot, Krishna representing infinity and God and, and infinite knowledge. Krishna and Arjuna ride down on the battlefield into the middle between these two armies that haven't started fighting yet. And Arjuna basically tells him, look, I'm stuck between a horrible rock in this horrible hard place. On one hand, I am honor bound by my job as a warrior to stop evil. And those guys are Duryodhana, those guys are evil, and I got to go stop them. On the other hand, I'm duty-bound as my, as my duty as a son and a cousin and a family member to take care of my family. And they're all over there, which means if I go do my duty as a warrior, I have to kill my family. I can't do these things, so I want to die. I just want to totally die right here. And so he, the story of the Bhagavad Gita is the story of how Krishna explains to him how the world works and how sometimes you can get into these positions where just thinking it out won't work. Just thinking it through isn't going to get you there. You got to go deeper than that. You got you to go deep, deep, deep. And I think what Wahe was talking about, this sort of concept of gratitude, was his means of dealing with things in investing, which, are, which contain uncertainty and, and where he... You can think it out to a certain degree, and then it's almost like you have to have positive things happening for you. you sort of, that's not the right way to say it. You're sort of transcending the thinking process now that you've done all that hard work, and then you sort of act from there. <clears throat> I think it comes to trusting yourself. And that does not necessarily mean, in my opinion, Right. Straight up instinct. 
because I know that my instincts when it comes to investing are usually wrong. And usually I <laughs> notice my instincts so that I can do the opposite thing. I, think, <laughs> I don't know why. Warren and Charlie <laughs> it's because that, I actually. don't come to this naturally. <laughs> one of the great qualities they have as a rule one style investor is to make every attempt to be extremely rational. <laughs> Fight off those instincts um, until you've done this long enough that you've, you you start to notice that your your quote intuition is operating in the right direction, and intuition and instinct might just be really well honed mind, yeah. right? Just really well honed. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I think when it comes to that practice of gratitude slash. <laughs> figuring out what to do when you are are between two impossible situations yeah. it's it's exactly what you said it's transcending it's going beyond and, and the gratitude is, world. A, is a technique and uh exactly exactly there what are I was many going. ways there are many, to do many, that. many ways to do that long distance running will do that and so will being grateful a thousand times a day that's where that's where Wahe went with this. At some point, when you're doing something like this, it turns into a kind of a mantra meditation. It just becomes a subtle thought that is taking you deep and deep and deep, and, and you transcend. And I think when you do that, you end up with you know a lot a lot better life at a minimum, and a lot better decisions. And I think that there's so many ways to do it. I mean, in in the Christian tradition, transcendence isn't discussed like that exactly. Except that you hear things like, or you read things in the Bible like, you know, be still and know that I am God. That's that's an absolute definition of transcendence in my mind. Um, being still means you're not thinking a lot. You're not thinking stuff. Just be quiet and stop thinking and know that I am God. And and gratefulness in Wahi's tradition is that idea to be still and have this thought, have this thought of gratitude. So you can do meditation uh, mantras, you can do contemplation of, you know, Christ's word, you can do, um, I guarantee you there's tradition in the Islamic community for, for finding silence. There's certainly that in the, in the Jewish community and the Hindus, of course, invented the whole concept. So, I mean, it's out there in every tradition and the Indians have this tradition. Oh yeah. There's yoga, there's Buddhist somatic meditation, there's, I mean, you can download apps on your phone that I've heard are fantastic. I haven't ever tried it, but I've had a few friends tell me that they have this great app that helps them meditate. And it just takes you, as you said, out of that busy surface level mind. We all need that. And I don't think that it's going to lead to direct investing decisions at all. I think what it does is it puts you in a good place from which to make well educated, rational well investing said. decisions so or any I, other. You know, the, this this sort of weekend we have coming up. I, I you know I hope you all have an opportunity to spend time with your family and and at the very minimum remember what this weekend's all about. That it's the one time of year we really intently think about Thanksgiving. Um, got a couple of quotes we could end with here if you want. Okay, here's one from oh, Oprah lay, lay Winfrey. The Hallmark quotes Be on thankful Go for, for what you have. Be thankful for what you have. Oh, you'll end faith. up having more. Now, that that would be Oprah's version of Wahe right there, right? Um, yeah, and I Oprah think right is on very for that. Into and, that's true. 
and giving back. And Anne Frank, here's a quote from Anne Frank. No one has ever become poor by giving. There you go. There you go. So I know Maya Angelou, be present in all things and thankful for all things. Good one. Good one. I like Anne Frank's better. That, like, hit me a little bit. Say the Um, Anne Frank one again. Anne Frank says, hang on. No one has ever become poor by giving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just imagine who said that. Yeah, that's That's pretty intense. I'm like, that's pretty intense. And so there's others. There's um, Henry David Thoreau, I think, you know, is one of America's, I think, really wonderful philosophers, part of the transcendent school of philosophy with Emerson. And he said, I am grateful for what I have. I am grateful for what I am and have. My thanksgiving is perpetual. So there's, there's why again, it's like, I am permanently in thanksgiving, <clears throat> which is, that's kind of where, why he wanted to be. Um, if you are really thankful, what do you do? You share. So this is W. Clement Stone saying that don't just let your thankfulness be something you do at dinner on, you know, once a year, take it out and share it. Willie Nelson has something here. When I started counting my blessings, my whole life turned around. And counting your blessings is thankfulness. So there's so many more. Just Google Thanksgiving quotes and you're going to have lots of inspiring things to say at the dinner table. And I want to thank everybody well, okay. I want to add one. Away. Can I add one? <clears throat> and this one is a little different than the good ones you just read, but I feel it's important because I think at this time of year, a lot of people feel forced into sort of fake gratitude or forced to kind of come up with some cheer when they're not really feeling it. And I feel like it's important to acknowledge that as well. So Pema Chodron, who's a Buddhist monk, wrote this incredible book called When Things Fall Apart. And she said, we think that the point is to pass the test or overcome the problem. But the truth is that things don't really get solved. They come together and they fall apart. Then they come together again and fall apart again. It's just like that. The healing comes from letting there be room for all of this to happen. Room for grief, for relief, for misery, for joy. And that, I feel, gives me... It gives me a feeling of perspective, you know, even when everything is bad and there's lots of bad stuff happening right now, lots of bad stuff. That's part of life. And hopefully we can find some gratefulness even within those. I totally agree with you. And I will, I will wrap up with Oscar Wilde on a different note. After a good dinner, one can forgive anybody, even one's own relations. So <laughs> we certainly are thankful for all of you who are listening to the podcast. And we're thankful for all of you who've come to the courses Absolutely. and learned to invest and are teaching this to your children and are changing your lives and are changing the world when you do that. And we thank you for all of that. And uh, we wish you a very, very, very thankful Thanksgiving. Dad, I'm thankful Danielle, for you. Love you, and I'm thankful for you, too. And that's going to wrap it up, guys. Thanks so much. Time to go play. Talk to you next week. We'll be done with our love fest <laughs> by then. We'll get back to yelling at each other. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. 
Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One podcast. If you like this episode, you can always get our show notes and more details and links to the resources we discussed at investedpodcast.com. Also, as long as you're online, head on over to investedpodcast.com slash workshop for details on an upcoming three-day live workshop that I'm hosting. All you gotta do to go is enter the special podcast code STOCKPILE, that's S-T-O-C-K-P-I-L-E, STOCKPILE, into the application form and you guys can attend for free. So everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really do hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.